Hey everyone, welcome to Unstoppable. My name is Ralph Graves Jr. and my passion is seeing you experience life transformation. Every week on this show, I will bring you inspirational stories of some of the most unstoppable people on the planet. I can't wait to share these stories with you and I hope that you'll share them with your friends. If you're looking to join the Unstoppable community and receive weekly lessons challenging you to live your best life, why don't you join me at ralphgravesjr.com backslash community. Okay, let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of Unstoppable. I'm your host, Ralph Graves. And on the, my guest today, on here today, is Don Muchow. Don did something remarkable, guys, that I wanted to share with you all. Don ran from Disneyland, that's in California, right, Don? Yes, that's correct. To Disney World in Florida. He ran, you heard me correctly. He ran from Disneyland to Disney World. Don, welcome to the Unstoppable Podcast. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you, Ralph. Man, thanks for coming on, man. And when I read your story, I thought it was remarkable. Um, and, and there's always a why to, to why someone does that. And you are truly unstoppable. Um, before I start getting into some of the adventures of why or how what went on while you were doing it, what was your purpose behind it? Um, I originally conceived of the idea as a way of raising awareness about the challenges that people with type 1 diabetes like myself face when we try to engage in programs of physical activity. Um, it's not uncommon at all for someone like me to sort of struggle trying to balance insulin and food and get into this um, downward spiral of correcting low blood sugars with food we didn't need to eat uh, in the first place and piling on the calories and, you know, 10, 20, 30 years down the road, finding out that now our problem is weight, not blood sugar control. And uh, I had been in that bucket and I had not gotten a lot of help. And I kind of stumbled into um, a few tips and tricks for how to stay active without. Um, having my blood sugar drop in a frighteningly uh, precipitous way. Okay. And um, I wanted to kind of pay it forward to other people who were trying to do the same thing and basically encourage them that there were safe ways to be physically active without um, living with this horrible fear that you wouldn't wake up the next morning from a low blood sugar, as well as letting other people who did not have the disease know that um, you know, we weren't a bunch of ho-ho eating couch potatoes. <laughs> yeah. So um, I wanted to get that message out. And it originally occurred to me that it might be a good way to kind of spread the word. Now, the, what is the difference? And I want maybe some folks don't know. What's the difference between type one and type two diabetes? Um, first, um, let me let me kind of say what both diseases have in common, which is the challenge okay. in balancing blood sugar and food um, and medications. Okay. Uh, the primary thing that sets type one and type two apart is that for the most part, type one is an autoimmune disorder. Uh, it's usually um, caused by the immune system uh, having a programmed overreaction to something um, that doesn't belong in the body, such as a, a virus or um, it could even happen as a result of broken down muscle tissue, um, 
that some of the ultra distance runners have actually run into that problem or they uh, they end up with something called rhabdomyolysis. And as a side effect of that, their immune system uh, reacts to all the muscle they've been breaking down and and uh, um, just kind of goes DEFCON 1 on them. Okay. So the, the, the primary thing that's in common to type 1 is just this immune system going to immediate nuclear launch codes alert system. With uh, type 2, it is also an inflammatory um, disease. And one of the things that I have learned from some of the training that I've done with uh, type 2 friends is that you know type 2 can be the result of um, suboptimal lifestyle choices but it is not guaranteed to be the result of that. Um, there are many people who are significantly overweight who are not type two. And there are people who are type two that, you know, weigh about as much as I do, which is 160 these days, five foot 10. Um, so, but in both cases, um, it's the, the body's inflammation, inflammatory response that causes very similar problems with stress, high cholesterol, circulation issues, and so forth. Um, type one tends to be a little more dangerous um, because the regulatory mechanisms in the body are sort of shut down when it comes to dealing with um, an overabundance of insulin, whereas in type two, um, people will just store more energy and body fat. Um, they don't tend to have a lot of the same problems. Um, but both of the diseases have some things in common. Um, the best way to tell the difference clinically is to get two lab tests. Um, one is called a C-peptide test um, that detects whether or not um, you're producing any of the byproducts of uh, insulin absorption. Um, uh, and the uh, other one is... Uh, what's called a, a GAD antibody test. I think that stands for gamma. Uh, let me think for a second here. Um, gamma is something decarboxylase, uh, but anyway, it's it's a it's an antibody test. If you're GAD positive, then that means you have the autoimmune characteristics of type one. Um, if you're C peptide negative or zero. Um, that means that you are not producing any of your own insulin. And those are usually the two indicators of type one. One of those is off. It, it's either type two or it's something called um, latent autoimmune disease. Um, I'm trying to think of the lot of latent autoimmune diabetes in adults, I think it's called. Okay. Um, so it's kind of a complicated landscape, but the main difference is that type one is an autoimmune disorder and type two tends not to be more of, it's more of a general inflammatory um, problem. Okay. So what, so, uh, you know, what makes this story so amazing is that so many people, um, you know, who aren't built like you might, might get that particular kind of news or might have to try to learn with that. And they just throw in the towel. You, my friend, not only didn't you throw in the towel, you did something amazing. Like I said, you ran, from Disneyland to Disney World. Now, what part of California is Disneyland? Um, it is in Anaheim. Uh, okay. It's about about 14 miles north of, um, trying to think now, Newport Beach, I okay. believe it was. Okay. 
And you're originally from California or did I read Texas? Uh, Texas. Texas. Okay. All right. So you get this idea. Here we go. Don says, I'm going to do something that, you know, I'm just going to do it. So did you have a support group? Was did somebody egg you on? Or is it something you came up with and said, listen, I can do that? A um, couple of both of those a little bit. Um, I did have a support group. My uh, wife and crew chief, uh, Leslie, um, was really the primary person supporting me throughout the effort. Um, okay. There are some people who run across the country who do it solo. Um, in fact, for your listeners and viewers out there, um, you ever see somebody on a lonely highway in the middle of nowhere pushing a baby carriage? I can almost guarantee you that baby carriage is full of water bottles <laughs> and they're running across the country. Um, they're not abducting children. Okay. Um, uh, as far as uh, sort of how the idea uh, came to me, um, I had originally started thinking about this in 2019 after a run across Texas. And I got to thinking, okay, well, that's a third of the country. I can do the whole thing. And I was originally going to run from San Diego to Washington, D.C. and try to raise some, you know, issues uh, to maybe influence policymakers to um, put in some some more enforceable anti-discrimination laws and things like that. Yeah. And I was explaining that I had planned to run from uh, the uh, West Coast to the East Coast, and I had problems uh, with finding a good path to DC. So I kind of punted and decided, okay, fine, I'll uh, I'll run to I'll run to the Space Coast. And I was I was talking to a friend, and I said, okay, well, I'm running from California to Florida, and he said, oh, so you're running from Disneyland to Disney World. And at that point, I had not thought about it that way. Um, so it was really his idea yeah. that um, I started trying to find a way to do because I, I thought, OK, this is potentially a newsworthy item. You know, maybe I'll get a little bit extra publicity for the, the diabetes run. And uh, it kind of unfolded from there. And I read in the story you were 59 at the time. Uh, I believe that's correct. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, are you listening to me? Fifty nine. <laughs> diabetes and says, you know what? First of all, I love the mindset. Well, it's already ran Calum, I've ran Texas. That's a third of the US. I can go from coast to coast. That's a whole different mindset whatsoever. That's an unstoppable <laughs> mindset. <laughs> but at 59 years old, with type 1 diabetes, you decide, well, all right, let's let's get it done. And and you had the right support system, you had a right, you had a crew chief around you. So you get started. I'm not going to ask you. I'm not going to ask you uh, what what sneaker company sponsored you because they're not paying me yet. So we're not going to give them any love. Uh, OK, um, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm on my website. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, If they start paying me, I'll mention them. But uh, it's not about them. It's about you. It's about the mindset, it's about this unstoppable mindset that you have, my friend. And so you, you, you start out. And um, how long did it take you? Um, in terms of the actual number of days physically running. Uh, it was a total of 88 days of running. Um, unfortunately, uh, while we had planned to take a rest today every 10 days or so, based okay. on my experience running across Texas, when we got to Tarzan, Texas in, I think it was late March, uh, we started in February 1st. Um, we got to Tarzan, Texas in late March. Uh, I think it was 1,250 miles in. 
we ran into some situations where we could were unable to buy groceries. The, basically, the stores had been kind of stripped out because everyone was getting ready for lockdown. Yeah. And we had to pause it for a while until we felt that we had a plan and the opportunity was right to continue running without basically spreading disease across the country from every convenience store we walked into. Right. So we had to kind of back up and take um, a couple of months break there to sort of replan how we were going to do the rest of the run. Okay. We got as far as Texarkana and we ran into the same kind of problem again. Okay. Uh, but this this time it wasn't lockdowns as much as the fact that Mississippi, Alabama, and um, the parts of Georgia that we were running through, the their infection rates were just up through the roof. And you know, I kept thinking to myself, what happens if I get clipped by a car running down the highway yeah. and I have to get treated in the parking lot of a hospital? Yeah. Uh, so we took another pause. Um, the total elapsed time was 431 days. Uh, I did not spend that time, you know, shuffling my way across the country. Uh, I was sitting in my living room waiting to get started again. Okay. But okay. when we did get started, um, we completed it in a total of 88 days of running. Listen, nonetheless, I don't care how you did it. I don't care if it took you two years. It's still amazing. It's amazing. And you ran like you you ran. I have a hard time, Don, if I'm going to be completely honest with you and the millions of listeners, I have a hard time with two miles on a treadmill. You know, you <laughs> it's a mindset thing, really, honestly. Um, I uh, if I may come in on that for just a moment. Sure. When I first started running, uh, I was very unconfident in my ability to get anything done. Um, my my first priority was don't hurt yourself, you know, because if I stumbled and face planted or something, not only was it going to be discouraging, but it was going to hurt. Yeah. And that's the same mentality that I still use when it comes to super long distance running. If it hurts, stop and figure out why it hurts. Okay. And uh, that's a good philosophy. Um, I think that can take you from two miles on the treadmill to 2000 miles. You know what? You just inspired me. I'll start at the two. Who knows? Maybe I'll hit the 2000 mark. Who knows? <laughs> you do the country. I promise you, I will meet you somewhere along the way and run with you. <laughs> so you go through, you you go, you leave, you leave there. So along the journey, you had some pitfalls, some stops, and we understand that. What was the most um, exciting or vent, adventurous state, or the most colorful state, or challenging state? Because I know you had some supporters along the way. Did anybody get out and run with you for a few miles? Anyone get out and, and encourage you along um, the way? Yes, um, we had quite a few people that met us going through California, um, Arizona, and New Mexico. When we got into sort of lockdown status, um, we actually told our followers, please don't come and meet us. Um, drive by, wave out your car window, honk at us or whatever. Um, but, you know, we don't want to be a disease vector here and we don't know who has it and who doesn't. And we're, we're literally physically going from one town to the next and yeah. we don't want to leave a trail of infection. So uh, we had asked people not to. As things started to get more into a state where people knew what the risks were and weren't, you know, they, they knew when a mask would help and when it was okay to, to be in the same space with people, you know, standing a few feet apart, no mask, that kind of thing. People got a little bit more comfortable with coming out to meet us yeah. and uh, running with me and so forth. Yeah. And uh, we, we got into the pattern where, you know, if we were in an enclosed space, we would all mask up. But if we're all sitting on 
folding stools, you know, by the van, um, killing 10 minutes talking about our common diabetes stories, then we would relax a little bit and do things the way we kind of had done them before. Yeah. So we had people that started uh, meeting with us, consciously meeting with us, probably, I want to say, about the time we got out of Alabama and hit Georgia. I want to do a shout out to a, a friend of mine, by the way, um, when we when we came into Bainbridge, Georgia, which is a, a smallish town, um, a uh, ultra running buddy of mine by the name of Harold Allen. Uh, who is uh, famous locally for running uh, 30 marathons in 30 days. Wow. Um, he came out and ran the entire thing with me. And I was a bit slow. And so when we got to the outskirts of Bainbridge on my way out of town, he said, hey, listen, man, I, I got to go to work. And I said, do you, you do what you do what you got to do? And uh, he said, no, no, I'll stay with you a little bit longer. And so um, we ran to the edge of town. And then Harold said, I really do have to go. And I said, okay, well, you know, who's going to pick you up? And he said, oh, no, it's nobody's picking me up, man. I'm running to work. <laughs> so I got a shout out to Harold. Harold is, uh, he's super bad. And uh, wow. thanks for uh, joining him, Harold. Thanks thanks for that support, Harold. Yeah, yeah. No, Harold is, uh, Harold is the bomb. And uh, he's uh, inspired a lot of people in his town to get active and to get happy about it and enjoy, just enjoy being physically active. So um, he was probably one of the more meaningful meetups I had. Uh, he was originally a Facebook friend, came out to meet and run with me. But um, there were a, a number of people with type one that I met along the way, um, moms of kids with type one who were worried that their kids were, something bad was going to happen to them if they played soccer and then went low. Um, lots and lots of stories. Um, just, uh, you'd have to pick a state and I could tell you. Yeah, and, and I just, and I, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening again, he runs from Disneyland to Disney world. That's a feat. If you don't have type one diabetes, you have type one diabetes. You're, you're now How did you keep your sugar at the proper level? <clears throat> well, I had some help. Um, okay. I do wear a, a continuous glucose monitor. Okay. Um, I can't show you where it is because right now it's on my glutes. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to do that to your. No, body. don't do that. Don't do that. Thank you, but yeah. don't do that. I believe you. Yeah. But uh, take my word for it. Yeah. Um, I also have it. Um, it sends a data, and we'll see if we can uh, see if this will show on the screen or not. Um, okay. Sends data to my insulin pump. Okay. And um, the pump uses the readings from the continuous glucose monitor to make uh, dosing decisions. And it, for the most part, kept me in a uh, good range. Okay. The biggest challenge I had was uh, not with what I ate or the amount of insulin that I was getting, but with the fact that, you know, 35 miles a day, day after day after day after day, um, builds up stress. And the stress in your body can often elevate your blood sugar. And it's really hard to get it back down into a normal range okay. if your basic uh, mode of operation for the day is pile on more stress. So you were going so that, 35 miles a day? Usually, yeah. There was a few days that were a bit longer um, as we got closer to the coast. Yeah. Um, uh, our original plan was to get to the coast around sunset. 
And then when we heard there was going to be a news team, we tried to push that uh, that number up so that we would arrive in the daylight. And uh, we started putting in 41 mile days and that sort of thing. Wow. Okay. Okay. So you're, you're, you're monitoring your blood sugar, got the crew chief with you during the 35 or 41 mile runs. Are there any breaks during the run? Are you, can you, can you stop and get a Twinkie? I don't know. Can you stop and get something? I dreamed of getting Twinkies. Um, <laughs> and listen, I'm really uh, aging myself. I don't, I don't know if they make Twinkies anymore. Uh, I think they still do. Um, okay. I, I think some of those, uh, some of those hostess brands were bought up by an independent company, but um, I did um, take just a sit down break every three miles or so. Um, okay. One of the things I learned from Texas and uh, Iowa and some of the other long distance runs were, was that um, you have to get off your feet. Um, okay. If you're on your feet the whole time, you're almost guaranteed to get blisters. Okay. And it doesn't take more than 40 seconds off of your feet, sitting on a guardrail in the middle of nowhere and just kind of taking your shoes off and letting your feet breathe and massaging them a little bit, put your shoes back on and keep going. And just that little bit of relaxing time and, you know, not just being constantly hot and sweaty and pounding the pavement. Yeah. It does a lot to keep you from getting blisters. I still got blisters, but not too many. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, so we take breaks maybe every three miles or so just to sort of get off my feet. Um, when, when it comes to like uh, meal breaks, anything longer than two or three minutes, um, we would usually take those twice a day. Um, the first one around lunchtime. And if it was a long mileage day, uh, again, around supper. And those were usually 15 to 20 minute breaks. I mean, I have so many questions, man, weather, you know, I know you, did you run through some storms Did you keep pushing rain, hail, sleet or snow? You just kept pushing. Uh, just outside of Tuscaloosa, we uh, hit a series of thunderstorms. Um, the first day outside of Tuscaloosa, I decided to kind of duke it out because most of the first part of the day was not stormy. Okay. And we did not know the exact minute the storms would come. We didn't want to waste a good day. So we just ran until it started raining and kept running and then it started raining harder. And finally this cop said, Hey man, there's a tornado warning, you know, just, you might want to get off the road. And we were at that point, maybe two miles from our destination and we thanked him and finished out. But okay. um, we did actually take a weather break the next couple of days in Tuscaloosa and okay. took one of our rest days out of Montgomery okay. um, because I had rested up already and Montgomery was not that far away from Tuscaloosa. But um, that was about the worst weather we had. Um, we had some chilling fog outside Andrews, Texas. Um, we had some absolutely stunning, beautiful, sunny days out in the desert. And weather-wise, probably the best weather I had was out in the Mojave, believe it or not. Wow. Wow. So what's keeping you going? Like you're, you're going, you're running, you know, we see that commercial <laughs> energizer, baddie, but, but you said a mindset. What mindset did you have that kept you going? Because I want you to share that with us as, as our listeners face some hard times. And was it the end in mind? Was it the purpose behind it? What kept you going? Um, I can tell you what it was not. Um, Somebody once said that I was doing this just for the attention. 
And there may be a little bit of that that was true at the beginning of it all. Um, But I can tell you that ego will not sustain you. Wow. Um, Desire alone will not sustain you. Mm. Um, You have to have faith in something. Mm. And I believed in my head that I was capable of it. But the problem for me was what I, it's what I call eating a bicycle. Okay. Uh, there's some story out there floating on the internet about some guy who set a, set a world record for eating a bicycle. And most people, when they think about eating a bicycle, they're like, man, I could not get that tires in my mouth, not in one whole bite, you know? Right. Um, but you know, you cut the bicycle up in small enough pieces and you can eat that bicycle. Yeah. You know, you file down the rims and, you know, quarter teaspoon of metal along with your peanut butter and yeah. you know somehow or the other you, you get that bicycle inside you and that's the kind of thinking that i tried to keep my mind doing during this whole thing um if i made it a half a mile farther on a particular day than i had planned to make it i celebrated the little victories and did my little happy dance so that the next day i was feeling good about going back out there and doing it. Okay. And uh, it's the same thing as if you're just getting started. You know, if you don't have a reason to do a happy dance, you won't keep going. Yeah. And uh, I really kind of kept leaning on that principle. Wow. So it's not ego. It's not, guys, listen, it's not ego that's going to get you through class to get you through school. It's not, it's going to have to be some other things. It's going to have to be eating the bicycle. It's going to have to, be celebrating the small victories. The, the, the fact that you just hung in there an extra day, you know, uh, ought, to, ought to bring you some joy. Thank you for sharing that, man. Thank you. So you're quite welcome. We're coming to the end of the run. We're getting into Florida. They know you're coming. Disney World knows you're on the way. What's going on there? Um, okay. So there's a funny little story I have to tell you about Disney World. Okay. So we were concerned um, throughout the entire run um, back in the original days when we thought we might be setting some kind of an official record since our research had indicated no one had ever done a Disneyland to Disney World run before. And we wanted to make sure that any of the bodies that kept records wouldn't find a technicality to rule it out on. Okay. And so we looked at the kind of rules that people like Guinness um, set for transcontinental runs. Uh, we looked at an organization called Fastest Known Time, uh, which I was familiar with when I set the record for the fastest run across Texas. Okay. And we also looked at um, just general, I guess what I would call community agreement among people who had run across the country as to what counted and what didn't count. Okay. And the, the general agreement seemed to be that. It had to be um, publicly accessible, pedestrian legal roads. Okay. Or um, in the event that you couldn't satisfy all of those requirements, um, that the path that you were taking was the safest path, um, even if there was something a little squishy about it. Okay. So broadly speaking, broadly speaking, um, it's illegal to run on the interstates. Okay. Um, but there's also this doctrine of, uh, I guess what I would call right of free movement, 
it's not constitutionally guaranteed, but this idea that, you know, it, you could put up a, you know, a wall of, you know, private housing developments across the, you know, the vertical stretch, you know, from, from uh, Minneapolis all the way down to, to New Orleans yeah. and told, told people you can't cross this property. Um, that's something that is, um, I think, the whatever legal doctrine is behind it, the idea that you can block off free passage by putting private property everywhere um, is kind of a kind of a no, no. So people do have a right to travel across the country by foot if they want to. Yes. But having made that choice, um, there are also rules about don't do dangerous, stupid things. Of course. Um, don't run on the interstate if, unless that's the only way to go. And so it's broadly recognized that if the only only point between path, only path between point A and point B is way off the shoulder next to the interstate, then there's not a cop in the world that's going to going to try to arrest you for right. walking, you know, 75 feet off the interstate through a bunch of cactuses. Yeah. If you had a better choice, they're going to tell you to take that better choice and they strongly encourage you that if you don't, they'll pick you up and take you there. Yeah. Um, but we tried to follow the, the rules of publicly accessible, not illegal, not private property, and so on. So when we got to the vicinity of Disney World, um, we had carefully mapped out a route, uh, the only pedestrian safe route into the Disney World complex is um, to the gates of the Magic Kingdom. Okay. Um, the uh, county roads for uh, Lake Buena Vista and the surrounding area feed into, uh, basically it's all local roads up to a strip mall that's just north of Cast Parking. And so when we headed down the, the road, I'm trying to remember the name of it. It was a name like International or Continental or something okay. like that. Okay. The road that goes right past the um, Contemporary Hotel. Um, I had run up to the, to the right to the crosswalk by the Contemporary, and we had worried for months and months and months that when we got to Disney World, that not only will we be breaking the rule of being on private property that we said we would never do, but that um, Disney wouldn't look very kindly upon it. Okay. Um, we had picked up a cameraman in um, at a Hartwood Marsh Road. Okay. Which was a uh, road a little bit northwest of Independence, um, maybe 13 miles outside of Disney World, outside of the Magic Kingdom. And uh, we picked up a cameraman um, who had heard about the run of a gentleman by the name of Adam Strand, who was a three-time Emmy Award-winning uh, videographer. And uh, Adam was running with me and driving ahead and filming bits and pieces of it. When okay. we got to the Magic Kingdom, it was me, um, uh, about half a dozen other people, including a young lady who just set the world record for the youngest female runner to cross the country. Um, Adam, my cameraman, um, uh, my wife, Leslie in the van. Okay. And, uh, we had, we had made plans to sort of duck in, get a selfie and get out before the Disney guy started complaining about, um, us having signs on the property, which is a no, no, <laughs> um, all kinds of no, no's. Um, they actually have a rule that you may not have a cameraman on the property because if you're making video of Disney without Disney's permission, 
Um, Disney doesn't look very highly on that, especially if you try to monetize it. Yeah, Disney wants that money. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's a, it's a it's a company. That's what right, they're, the they're there to do. Right. Um, so we, um, without my knowledge, um, Disney had been tracking this as soon as we got close to the park, and the fan community had raised um, raised the 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 matter to their attention that we were on the way, and um, they had already figured out that they would talk to the cameraman and uh, tell him if he wanted to use his video, that he had to make it available for free. And that had all evidently been worked out and Adam was party to that and he yeah. knew about that. Um, at least that's my understanding. So when we got uh, to the crosswalk, the uh, security guard, or um, I don't know what you call it, Disney security said, are you the runner? And the first thought that went through my mind was, oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> you know, here's, yeah. Where, here's where the rubber hits the road. Right, busted. You know, yeah, right. I, I won't be on private property for that long, I swear. Please just let me take a selfie. Yeah. And he said, he said, uh, well, hang on just a second. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna take you across the road. You got some friends waiting for you uh, down at the end of the walkway and you know, towards the, uh, the ticket booth. Wow. And and uh, I at first I thought it was my brother who had met me in Cross City, uh, Florida, with his wife a couple of days ago. Okay. Um, they they were actually they they visited Disney World anyway. Okay. And so I thought, okay, well, this is kind of cool. I get to see my brother twice in a row. And um, the uh, by the time I got to their little COVID checkpoint um, prior to the the walkway over to the ticket area, I knew something was up because there were maybe a dozen people um, on, on both sides kind of, hey, yay, Don. I'm just like, wow, they know my name. You know, wow. Wow. I'm famous, <laughs> they know my name. Yeah. And uh, I got to the uh, area right outside the entrance to the Magic Kingdom, and there were approximately 300 Disney employees waiting and cheering. Wow, wow. Including including Melissa Valaquette, the president of Walt Disney World. Wow. And uh, she handed me a, um, I'm very proud of this. It's, it's a one of a kind Mickey Mouse cap. Wow. Uh, it says Disneyland to Disney World. And um, they they gave me the royal treatment. I, I, I doubt that Oprah Winfrey has had that kind of treatment at Disney World. That, um, it sounds it, it sounds like man oh man three hundred yeah three hundred people with the president out there, and uh, she introduced me to a fellow whose sole job was to follow me around and make sure I didn't have to pay for anything, including park admission. Wow! And all we wanted to do was go there, buy a ticket, ride at the Small World, and get on with the day. And to this <laughs> to this day. I am just blown away. Um, yeah. th these guys are in the business of magic, and that was some serious magic. Well, what you did was magical. Magic recognizes magic. I'm blown away by this entire feat, by this entire story. Um, your your will, your why, um, proving that no matter what the case, diabetes one, diabetes two, anything, if anything's possible if you have the will to do it. So yeah, man, of course they were going to salute you, man. They were going to make sure that, uh, I'm, I'm proud of you, man. I'm, I'm, I'm proud to know you now. I'm, I'm, the story has been amazing. 
You're too kind. Thank you. It's been amazing. So what's up next for you before we go? What's up next for you? What are you doing now? Um, I'm currently training for um, a 12 and a half mile swim around Key West. And Alec, let me um, ask you, if you don't mind, how old are you now? Uh, 60. I just turned 60 in July. 60 years old, training for a 12 and a half mile swim around Key West. Wow. Yep. Are you doing this by yourself? You have with a group of people? Uh, I have to do all the swimming by myself. Um, okay. For a swim like that, um, it's typical to provide the, the swimmers with kayakers. Okay. Uh, whose job is to throw a bike bottle with uh, some kind of nutrition in it over the side of the kayak every so often so you can drink your food. Um, there's sharks out practice. there, man. John, there's sharks. Uh, Supposedly, there are some nurse sharks, which are very similar to like uh, friendly stray dogs. Um, not any uh, black fins or great whites or anything like that that I'm aware of. Well, Don, listen, you're braver than I am. It's, I, I don't care if it's a tiger shark, a clown shark, a puppy shark. It's this shark. But man, listen, keep us posted on that now when is that taking place um that is usually in the first week of june it's a uh, time to coincide with the tides um and so forth so that the swimmers get a little bit of assistance okay now after and, that uh, will you come back to unstoppable and talk about that experience i would be happy to do that and uh just in case um it's not a certainty um and i can't say too many details, but I was recently approached uh, by someone in regard to a um, reality show appearance. Wow. And okay. um, there may be an opportunity to do something there that will be mind bending. So I'm crossing my fingers and hoping that happens. Don, you are truly an inspiration to all of us, man, to young, middle-aged, older alike, whatever. I'm, I'm 53, man, and you have inspired me you know, to say, hey, Ralph, it's not over. I think I'm a gym rat, but I have nothing on you, man. Nothing. But I'm going to tell you what, instead of lifting weights tonight, I'm running tonight. How about that? I'm running. I'm that, running tonight. Instead of running, I'm lifting friend. weights. So. <laughs> I, I, I am running tonight to salute my friend. I, I, I really appreciate what you're doing and what you've done. And you're truly an inspiration, man. Truly. And how, how can we find you? How can we follow you? Are you on any social um, media? Where are you? What's going on? So on uh, our website is uh, t1determined.org. Okay. Um, you can also get there by typing donsolo.org if that's shorter or easier. Okay. Um, as far as hashtags go, um, you can search the hashtags t1determined or donsolo. Um, I don't think donsolo is exclusive, but about 80% of the content out there with that hashtag is our posts. Okay. Um, and um, that's probably the easiest way um, as far as, you know, contacting us and chatting and that kind of thing. Uh, that's all on the website. So it should be pretty easy to, to find out once you get to the website. Don, I always, always end the interview with this one question. One question <coughs> uh, for my guests. If you could have a billboard anywhere in the world, where would it be and what would it say? Oh my goodness. Um, I'm not sure where it would be, uh, but I think it would say, keep going. 
Wow. Thank you for that. Keep going. Keep going, ladies and gentlemen. Be unstoppable. Keep going. Thanks, Don, for being on the program, man. Thank you so much. It's a great pleasure, Ralph, and I look forward to chatting with you again soon. Yes, we will. Guys, you've been listening to Unstoppable Podcast. Please share this podcast. Download it. Go over to my webpage. Go over to Ralph at RalphGraceJr.com where we are starting or may have already started. If you're not in this cohort, you could be in the next one. Six-week transformation on personal growth, personal development. Would love for you to be a part of it. So come on on and, and, and join that. My guest today was Don Muchow. And um, Don, I'll be looking for you, man. Thank you for being unstoppable. And guys, I'll see you again next time. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this unstoppable conversation. I want to make a special invitation to you to join the conversation. Every week, we record these conversations live on Fireside. It's a platform that gives you the opportunity to engage with and ask questions to your favorite podcast live. If you want to join us on Fireside and ask our guests the questions you have about their story, head to firesidechat.com backslash Ralph Graves Jr. and click request access. This is your chance to join the interview. Also, guys, I want to invite you to join the unstoppable community at ralphgravesjr.com backslash community. Every week I share challenging lessons and reflection questions so that you can see the transformation in your life that you know is coming. If you can take just 30 minutes of your week to reflect on these questions, I guarantee you'll be on your way to living the unstoppable life you were made for. Join me at ralphgravesjr.com backslash community. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Unstoppable with Ralph Graves Jr.